0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a brought to you by FullScale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Start a Puzzle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, there's a system to selling And there's keys to scaling a sales system. But do you have the keys that you need to scale your sales? God, say that five times in a row really fast. And I think you'll at least know how to say something really quickly. <laughs> that's all. That's what we're going to talk about on today's episode, sales systems. And for those of you that are regular listeners, you know, this is a very, 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 popular subject and it's also one that's near and dear to my heart. I've got a great guest to chat about it with today. Before I get into who that is, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Wix. Yes, our friends over at Wix.com know a thing or two about turning a scrappy startup team into a global organization that serves millions of people and they want to share what they've learned with Startup Hustle listeners and their new micro podcast series called Ready for Takeoff by Wix. When you tune in for the Ready for Takeoff, you get to hear from Wix founders and company leaders. They share super short lessons to help you build better programs and teams faster. And hey, that's a topic I can get behind. Subscribe and follow the Ready for Takeoff by Wix podcast wherever you listen to the show. So wherever you listening to this, you can probably find them as well. Now, I, I mentioned I had a guest today and with me today, I've got Ryan Dowdy and Ryan is the founder of Be In The Room. That's an internet publishing and advertising services company. You can connect with her on LinkedIn. and We'll put a link for that in the show notes. And you know, without further ado, Ryan, welcome to Startup Hustle.
1: Hey, Matt, I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you here. Now, if we need to start somewhere, let's do a little bit of your backstory and let people know why uh, we're credible here.
1: <laughs> so I uh, started my sales career on accident in Orlando, Florida, selling radio advertising in 2005. So I accidentally fell into a sales career, spent about 15 years selling marketing and advertising solutions. So everything from radio advertising, uh, TV, print, digital, if you can advertise on it, I probably sold it and got really good, Matt, at building sales teams. So I fell in love with kind of the startup space the MarTech industry worked for several startup companies, helping them build and grow sales organizations, uh, and then for there decided to become an entrepreneur and teach female entrepreneurs how to sell, then started a company teaching sales teams how to sell, and now spend most of my time consulting you know, one-on-one with all sorts of organizations. It's actually been kind of a wild ride since I've done some reinvention, helping them build sales systems and organizations that can actually scale.
0: And that's exactly what we were talking about before you came to the the studio today. you know it's it's really easy to, in my opinion, as a founder, to be able to sell yep. what your business does, and mm-hmm. maybe as a CEO, and a lot of people believe the CEO should be the top salesperson in regards to like the pitch and finding and building relationships. But one thing that it is really hard is building a system that is understood easy to train, and hopefully even easier to implement across a sales team that is beyond you. Right. And so much about being a successful entrepreneur or startup founder needs to be about building things that are bigger than yourself. Right. So the real question is, I mean, where do you start with
1: that? So I'm actually not going to tell you to start where you probably think I'm going to start, um, which is kind of fun. And what I've learned when founders try to go from, you know, chief salesperson to leading a sales team. They go straight into like hows and tactics and numbers, most of which they get wrong anyway. But I always suggest starting Matt with like the mission, vision, values of your organization, right? You have to be able to communicate your mission, your vision, your values to a salesperson. If they're ever going to be able to leave your office, your building, wherever, and sell things. So it's really starting with identifying those things and not just the stuff that's on your website, right? Like we all know that if you're, thinking about scaling a sales org, your business is making money. You probably have a website, all of those things. But for me, it's like, we have to find people that are aligned with that mission, vision, and values before we can ever scale a sales org, right? Sales has been reduced to, it's a numbers game and it is right. But if we just focus on numbers and we just focus on metrics and and all those different things, we miss an opportunity to make sure that we have the right people in the sales organization to actually be successful.
0: So when we hear phrases like, it's a numbers game. That actually, in my opinion, flexes both ways. Cause sure. at full scale, it's not a numbers game. It's not like, hey, we got to find 28,000 people to reach out to. Cause first off, that's way too many. Right. And I'm more concerned with like, who are the 28 right. on that list? Exactly. Where's that one tenth of a percent that's that really high quality lead? So when you hear things like, it's a numbers game. I think it's important to understand it goes both ways. Sure, you know some of that's just like overkill. So, is the first part to accurately and clearly define who you're trying to reach as well.
1: Well, sure. I mean, I guess I made that. I made that <laughs> assumption that we already knew that.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think. I think it's startup hustle. We like to start with the understanding level of what, like a five-year-old sure. or maybe a Labrador retriever may have. Game on! And then we kind of work our way up from there. But I, I think it's important to, to, to define that. So you get so many people that, that they say, well, my product appeals and could be used by everybody. Right. Not a good thing. No, it's Gosh, not a good no. thing. It feels like a good thing. When you first think about it, you're like, wow, my total addressable market is huge. Right. But then Okay, so what do I do? Do I am I advertising at the Super Bowl then? Right. How do I define like who I'm looking for, what I need? I and mean, we can use full scale as an example. Like our best and fastest growing clients are software companies that have between ten and fifty employees. When we, right. And those are the for those of you that follow sales, those are our Glen Gary leads, right? Of sorts, meaning like the ones with the golden bow, the ones that make a lot of sense, but. Um, I think that defining who you're trying to reach is a challenge for, I, I think a lot of startup founders and business owners think they know mm-hmm. and aren't even
1: right. I think though that comes from Matt, a fear of not being enough, right? Like if I pick somebody, right, if I pick software companies with between 10 and 50 employees, are there going to be enough of those for me to truly scale? Are there going to be enough of those for me to hit my goals? So we're like, you know what? We don't want to get too tight into a niche because we don't want to limit our growth. So I'm not sure if it's they don't know the answer, Matt, or if the fear of, if I get too granular with who I want to serve, is that going to stunt growth? So I think that myth is actually a bigger challenge than Cause we know, you know, there's, there's not a business. So I started, I told you, I started selling radio advertising when I was 21 years old in Orlando, Florida. And the demographics, when we sold radio, it was like, we reach adults 25 to 54. That's not a demo. That's a family reunion, right? Like that, that's not a demographic, yeah, sure. you know, but that's how we've been selling media for years right what my you know 54 year old aunt has in common with my 25 year old sister in law very different things right so for me i think it's a matter of understanding and kind of getting over that idea that niching down is actually going to be a problem and really understanding who gets the best results from our product and service and who um who finds it easiest to pay for our service like i think sometimes people are afraid to say that Um, I I forget who I was listening to and I wish I could give her credit. I know it was a woman. It'll come to me. But anyway, she was like, we want to sell water to thirsty people in the desert. It does us no good to sell water at Sam's Club. I mean, it does if you're selling a commodity, right? But to your example, you don't need twenty-eight thousand leads at full scale, right? You need what you need. So we want to sell water to thirsty people in the desert, meaning who is willing to pay a premium for water because they need water that bad, or the results that your product or service gets them is that amazing, or their opportunity to to use your stuff um, it is that great. So for me, I'm always looking for that idea of who is that thirsty person in the desert that is looking for water and then build from there. And also understanding that just because you choose one target market from a sales perspective, doesn't mean that nobody else ever buys your stuff.
0: Sure. Sure. And I mean, we get outside of that boundary occasionally. Mm -hmm. I just, for, for us, it's, those are the accounts that stick the longest and grow the fastest, right? which make them the best leads. Of course. Now, are there enough of them to make a dent? Yeah. And the thing is, is that might only be that we mentioned a list of twenty eight thousand. Yeah, that might be the entire list. Right. But I only need fifty six of those, mm-hmm. so two tenths of a percent. Right. Would more than double the entire volume of a company that currently has two hundred and seventy employees. Right. So pretty impactful. Sure. And and now. Certain types of businesses or products are meant to be the complete opposite of that. Sure, They need 2.8 million Mm -hmm. leads, um, but those are typically things that shouldn't, you talk about the scalability. Right. So how much of that is, has to be no touch or frictionless? Mm -hmm. Like gigabook.com is a great example. For $15 a month, I cannot talk to you on the phone. Of course. To help you with your account. Right. And that's actually a rule. We have a gigabook, like you have to have more than five seats that you pay for, for us to even consider having a phone call with you. Right. You can kind of create a lot of organizational drag mm-hmm. by not understanding that. So at what point do you have to start figuring out, okay, we're, we're crowding our pipeline. Well, a bunch of junk leads Right, are no good.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's clearly defining the goals. Where are you trying to go? right? Are you trying to serve 2.8 million people? Or are you trying to serve 56, right? Mm-hmm. Like what it does, It's it varies based on what you sell, what your price point is, again, what you can actually service, right? My guess is, um, you know, gigabit.com is pretty scalable, right? Like there is no limit of how you can um, serve your people, but obviously in full scale, every client you take on, you have to think about how does that impact the internal organization, right? You have to put a new person in a seat potentially to serve X number of clients. So I think it goes back to really almost goes back to what I said about mission, vision, and values. And again, not the marketing stuff that goes on your website, but for you as an organization, as a founder, what is your vision for the organization, right? Do you want to, you know, be the premier provider of software development services for, you know, the top 1% of software companies or whatever it is, or do you want to be the scheduling software that serves startup companies across the world? Right. We have to figure out what that vision vision is and, and how we want to make an impact before we can even start thinking about sales numbers.
0: When we go back to the mission part of it though, so we'll use, once again we can use full scale as an example. Like our mission is to help companies build software teams quickly and affordably. Right. That's it. That's the whole mission. Mm-hmm. There's not nine nine paragraphs. Right. Eight bulleted lists. Like that's what we do.
1: Uh
0: And we don't get out of that. People ask all the time Can I get virtual assistance? So, if if you're not aware, out of the 270 employees we have, 264 of them at the time of this recording are in the Philippines. Right. So, people, can I get a virtual assistant? No, it's not what we do. Mm -hmm. Can I get this? Can I get that? No. What do you, then what do you do? Predominantly provide full time service for people that don't have short-term needs and right. want to build a team. right? But it's really easy as an early stage company to, oh, oh, but these people want to pay me money. Right. I need the money. I need the sales. Sure. I, and I will tell you right now, as you begin to scale, you will quickly, uh, you will quickly come to the realization that you either need to fire a bunch of clients right. or you need to stop bringing in the wrong people. Cause when you get outside of the mission, So is that where the vision comes in?
1: I think so. So I think the most important thing maybe to define in that, Matt, is the difference between growth and scale, right? The word scale gets thrown a lot, around a lot, right? We help businesses scale. We help businesses scale. We help businesses scale. To me, scale means you have something that works and we're trying to, you know, catapult that thing right? But growth is the beginning where, yeah, you might take clients who are looking for VAs. You might take clients who are looking for something else because you do need cash flow in the beginning, right? You do need to see who do we best solve a problem for? Who is our thirsty person in the desert for our product or service? To me, that's the growth stage of business where you do a lot. So when I first started, became an entrepreneur, I, um, I started, Teaching—that's a lie. I did not start teaching sales to female entrepreneurs. I started just teaching sales, right? Anybody who would hire me that had a sales problem, I helped them fix it, and I very quickly learned what I liked to do, what was truly scalable for me, what I could do that didn't require more of my time, right? How can I get out of trading time for money? And then I niched into. our our tagline at the time was we helped high achieving women leave their nine to five and build profitable businesses, right. By learning basic sales skills. That was kind of my whole thing. Um, but my first, probably 15 clients did not feed that feed that niche, right. Because I wasn't in the scale phase of business. I was in the grow phase of business. So I helped one company develop sales process. I helped somebody else write an email sequence, right. I helped somebody else, um, actually figure out what their value proposition was, what the heck they were selling to people. Right. So I think what you're talking about is the grow phase of business, right? When we're ready to scale, it's when we know what we have, right. Which in your instance, full scales instance, it's a team of software developers in the, the Philippines that help businesses, um, you know, grow team quickly, whatever Which it was is just... not
0: scalable because people aren't scalable. Amen to that. Yeah. And a lot of people get that wrong. They mm-hmm. think it is. They're like, Oh, i want to scale my business. By adding more people. That's not the right. definition of scale. I would agree. That could be growth. Yep. But not scale. Sure.
1: Yeah. And so I think that's where people get stuck with this whole idea of scale versus grow and sales process and all the other stuff. And I think that's probably why a lot of people struggle to hire salespeople is because it's really hard to train a salesperson to sell 42 different, different, you know, different iterations of a product, right? If you had a product suite this big, you know, it it would be really hard to hire a salesperson, right? You have a product suite this big for those of you that can't see my hands, right? It's a handful of products that full, that full scale serves their clients, or maybe there's a handful of ways. And so I think that that's, what's really important is people, the first thing they want to do is hire a salesperson. Um, but it's really hard to teach that salesperson, how to sell the deals that you're scratching on the back of a cocktail napkin because you are the visionary, right? Like you have that in your head. They're never going to have that. So I think it's the difference between growth and scale, to be honest with
0: you. I think a lot of it is also, I've been using the, I don't know if this is a real term, but it is now, I've been discussing uh, organizational honesty. Mm. And for me, I had a, you know, we've had a very mixed bag of trying to grow a sales team. Yeah. Yeah. And along the way, I had to be honest with myself about my my expectation of what salespeople were going to do, because yep. they came back to me and I'm like, well, why, why aren't we having conversations with these hundred people? And they said to me, they're like, well, Matt, it's easier for you to get them on the phone than it is for me. Sure. <laughs> Most of in there, and I'm like, well, tell me more. They're like, because I'm trying to reach you. Right. And- are you, do you respond to emails like the ones that I'm sending? Is it, you know, and I honestly spend a lot of time avoiding that. Right. Just cause it's overwhelming. Sure. So I think that that honest approach to like what you, with the growth of your sales organization is like, you may have to temper your expectation about how easy it is. Yeah, cause it's, it's, it's once again, easy. Mm-hmm. to be the founder, the CEO, the person with the vision, the excitement, and and your your message is heard a little differently. Sure.
1: It's the perceived importance. Yeah. Yeah. You have CEO in your title. I, it's so funny. I just had a conversation the other day with a woman who was introduced to me. They're trying to hire salespeople. They've cycled through three or four of them. We get on the phone. I'm like, tell me what's happening. And she's like, we've had a sales guy for eight weeks and he's only closed five deals. And I'm like, cool. How much were the deals? And she was like five grand. I'm like, so he's closed $25,000 in eight weeks.
0: Something bad.
1: It's incredible yeah. Yeah. for a stranger off the street who did not know your company eight weeks ago to be able to show up. And, uh, and again, these people are, they've got leads coming to them. Right. But that idea that, okay, well, Matt closes, you know, 80% of the sales calls he gets on, like your sales team's never going to do Wish that. Which
0: I don't, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just saying like, that's back to that realistic understanding right. of, yeah. And once again, to give you an example, if we had, well, if any of our salespeople brought in five new accounts right. in two months, that would actually be a big win for us. Right. So think about the difference between that and now our average client spends about 20 grand a month. Right. That'd be a huge, that would be a big win.
1: Right. Because if you yeah. if you hired a new salesperson, they brought in one deal in eight weeks, that would be huge. Right. Cause we're talking $240,000 in revenue. Right. Yep. So I think it's just, it's, it's understanding the expectations and it's this idea that if you think of how you got started like when you start i don't i don't know the whole startup story of full scale but i know when i started my business i had an idea to start a business in 2018 i kicked it around a little bit i made a few dollars here and a few dollars there and a few dollars there it took me a really long time to be making not a really long time took me about a year to be making consistent money in my business that was predictable and that I could count on. And that's me. I am the founder, right? It is my mission, my vision, my baby. I am I was service delivery at that point in the game, right? I was out there selling myself. And we expect a salesperson to come in and figure out how to do it in 90 days. And if they haven't paid for themselves in 90 days, we're kicking them out. And again, I think it depends on what you're selling, right? Again, to use the example of um, you know, a, a lower scale service or something along those lines, we're having a different conversation. But when you're selling, you know, I would consider is 250,000 a year is that considered an enterprise sale? You're selling an enterprise product to CEOs. That's a totally different sales process than selling software to, you know, middle managers. Or
0: to selling fans to people that are in our studio right now, which by the way, for those of you listening, it's like 10,000 degrees <laughs> in our studio right now. So if you hear like water dripping, that's me sweating, but <laughs> you could really sell me a fan really easily in here right now, right. but that's a different transaction. And you're right. Mm-hmm. That, that should be like a frictionless transaction. Right. Of course. So some of that is, is also like we talk about. I don't want to get so deep down the rabbit hole of like sales people because sure. some of scaling a sales process is, well, you look at uh, my co-host and uh, someone who has a weekly show, Andrew Morgan, right. his whole business at marknology.com is helping people understand the landscape associated with selling shit on Amazon. Right. And that's like a completely different approach, but it requires a lot of thought understanding. And once again, scalability. So sure. you, you, know, you look at Amazon and this is a great example. I don't, they, they take 30 or 25% of my sale. What are they giving you for that? Right. Because what would a salesperson cost you to go out and sell that manually? You're hoping. You pray. You're hoping that your salesperson sells something. Then you have to deal with fulfillment. You have to deal with a lot of other stuff. So in some cases, less is more. I would agree. In some cases it's not. So, I mean, there's a, there, a lot to be figured out. I think the people component of a sales process for me is the hardest, the most frustrating and the the highest failure rate.
1: But so you run a team, you know, out of the Philippines, that's what, 264 people. I would argue that people in general are the hardest part of running a business.
0: Oh, without a doubt. And that's the the people. So why do software startups and companies trade at such a high multiple? It's because software shows up to work every day. You it know, doesn't it. complain. It doesn't quit. It doesn't get a different job. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's there 24-7. And that's, so when we think about this, back to that buzzword of scalability. Sure. The true definition of that is something, is a system, process, or platform that you can dial up for immediate demand. Right. Now, you, and then you have companies. So full scale is actually a mix between the two because right. we have a whole platform that manages clients, applicants, uh, and our actual management. And that's what makes us scalable. That's why we've grown so quickly, because without that, I am like 10 million spreadsheets. Right. <laughs> and not a whole lot past that. So, to give you a comparison, over the last three months, 2,500 people have applied to work at Full Scale.
1: That's incredible.
0: I know, but. Overwhelming, right? But we, but our system chews that up and spits it out because it's able to automate so much of that. That's an example of scalability. Sure. We went from 150 applicants a month to 900 a month. Which, by the way, there was a month in there where it was a total shit show because I broke it on purpose. I literally broke. So that's part of our sales. That's still a sales process. Recruitment and hiring is Mm -hmm. a sales activity. Of course. Because you're selling people on why they want to quit a job and come work for you. Mm -hmm. So some of that we had to learn how to keep people engaged and do a lot of other stuff to automate it. But that's a better example of scalability. Now growth on the on the other side, like just I, I like to give practical examples. We get more sales from our existing clients Mm -hmm. than we do from new incoming, like first orders. Right. And that's growth. You can grow the company. Right. You don't necessarily, I could run the, so we only service for like 42 clients. Yeah. And with that, do 10 million a year in revenue. That's wild. It is. But I could manage that with spreadsheets. I don't need a platform to do that. Sure. But the future growth. So, what happens when, all right. So many startup founders and business people—they have this plan, and their whole mentality and all of it is structured around what happens when the sky is falling, right. and they do not give any consideration to what happens if all of this goes right. Yeah. So that's that's been the challenge for us. And you have to prepare for the, folks. You have to prepare for this stuff months in advance. Sure. You can't decide to be ready to be the thousand-person company as you're hiring your thousandth person, right? Cause you won't get there. No, It's going to fall apart quickly. Yep. So when we start planning our sales process, how do we, how do we look around the corner? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest part as a founder, a business person. And sometimes a salesperson is, is understanding what people are going to buy later. As sure. Well things, trends change. There's a huge article and I like to sound fancy and let people know I read the wall street journal.
1: Ooh, fancy.
0: It makes up for the fact that I dropped out of five colleges. So, um,
1: and you run so, your $10 million company. There a, it's it's yeah, right. So, there,
0: I mean, I won an award from Forbes, but I couldn't, I couldn't graduate from college.
1: So.
0: Uh, it's true. I said that on like the very first page of the million dollar bedroom book. I love so, it. So, you know, Dropped out of five colleges, but I might be a junior now. Um, there's a rumor that I'm gonna get an honorary degree from a university in Cebu.
1: That's I'm exciting. not gonna
0: confirm or deny that, but yeah. It's, I told him I only want a postgrad. I'm like, if I don't get letters after my name, I don't want it. <laughs> well, it's fair. It's fair, it's fair to say, but by, by the way, speaking of selling, I should uh Remind everyone that our friends over at Wix, yes, the website and building platform know a thing or two about turning the scrappy startup team into a global organization serving millions of people. Remember when Wix came out, by the way? I do. Yeah. And that was, in- I
1: played in marketing. So, yeah.
0: They're huge now, so but they want to share what they've learned with you in a new micro podcast series called Ready for Takeoff by Wix. I think if you like this show, you're going to like what they're talking about too. You know, the average podcast listener listens to like seven different shows. Wild. Some, some people are probably like, why are you advertising the Wix podcast? Because we know you listen to other stuff too. So that's where the company's founders and leaders are going to share super short lessons. Super short's not easy to say. Uh-uh. Uh, designed to help you build better products and teams faster. You can subscribe and follow the Ready for Takeoff by Wix right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you listen to a podcast. So yeah, by the way, our producer loves it when I make my own personal commentary in the middle of the the ad reads. But we're still talking about you, Wix. So remember that.
1: So uh, you said something about growth that I want to hit on. Like you said that a lot of your growth comes from inside of your organization. And I think that is something that a lot of business owners and founders in general, they, they overlook that step when you say sales. Yeah. They think, okay, I need to go out I need to go get new leads and new people and new customers. Way and Way easier
0: to sell to the people already in the
1: boat. Uh, we, I just said this um, opportunity. I'm, I'm doing some consulting for a, um, a women's organization, right? They're a professional organization for women. And I'm doing some consulting for them. And that is one of the things that we talked about was like, what is your member services team doing to, you know, to make sure your people stay, to retain, to upsell? You have three different membership levels, right? Like what, what kind of revenue does your member services team drive? And she kind of just looked at me and cocked her head a little bit. Like that was the craziest question she'd ever been mm. asked. And I'm like, You're joke. Like you used to be a 20,000 person membership. You have literally 900,000 leads in your database. And you're out here trying to figure out how to cold message on LinkedIn. Like you're missing the point, my friend. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't bring in new people because, like you said, trends change, people change, people grow up, needs change, et cetera. But the idea that sometimes growth happens within our organization organization? What's the next thing that our clients need to use the first thing that we sold them, right? Once they're using that and using it well, is there something else that we can give them? Is there somebody else we can partner with that can give them that thing? Because so often, and I'm a salesperson and a consultant, and so I really like it when you're like, my sales process is broken because I can fix that. But sometimes the answer is, what's already in-house? What leads do you already have? What opportunities do you already have? Um, And how is your internal organization's set up to make sure you're retaining clients, renewing clients and selling those people more stuff.
0: I think a thing to understand with that is can you also service the people that are in the boat? That's mm-hmm. the issue we have at full scale that's so sure. challenging on so knowing that people aren't scalable mm-hmm. and that people possess different types of skills, some skills are more in demand than others and we have a bunch of clients that have an insatiable appetite for certain kinds of skills which right. means I'm not really doing a new client or account a favor if I'm bringing them in for something where I can't fill their seats. Sure. Uh, I think that a lot of product companies ran into similar issues during the pandemic because there were supply chain problems. And, you know, because if you can't service the people that you're already doing business with, or you can't manage those accounts or provide value or, or support any of it, you have no business trying to double your Right. The, the list of people on your account. Is that sure. fair to say?
1: A hundred percent.
0: How do you fix that problem?
1: Uh, that <laughs> Hold not, my beer. Not my special Gina. Uh, You know, it's not, but you know, for us, the first thing that we do, you know, I just, I just made a hard pivot in my business Um, and you know, I'm now running a, a women's organization, which is incredible and fun, but literally from go our onboarding process includes how do we upsell and retain and get referrals from these people? Like that was one of the first processes we built, right? Okay. We have a new customer. How do we onboard them? And then it's like, okay, how do we let them know what our next step is? How do they let them know how to give us referrals? How do we make sure we retain them? What things do we have in place to make sure that we are not on a hamster wheel of bringing people in and dumping them out the back? Yeah. And it was literally, and I'm a, I'm a salesperson for crying out loud. And that was well, you do know the know how first how process. Fix. You just
0: said, you don't know how to fix it, but you just described how to fix it. Valid. And, and that's the thing. And I, 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 I believe in responsible selling, right. you know, like you are not going to last as a company, as a salesperson or in, anything, mm-hmm. if you get in the business of not of non-delivery.
1: So let, let's talk about that from a sales leadership perspective, because as somebody who is not too terribly far removed from actually being a salesperson inside of an organization and not an entrepreneur or a founder. So many founders and CEOs have such unrealistic expectations, like you said, of what their sales team can do, should do, will do, et cetera, that these salespeople aren't selling responsibly. They aren't selling, honestly, because they're worried about keeping their damn jobs. So what's our responsibility as founders and owners? Or or
0: they're just trying to make a commission.
1: That too. But I think a lot, I mean, you know, that could be part of it. But I think sometimes it is this idea of like, I have to put numbers on the board or I'm going to get walked. And sometimes that leads to bullshitting about what your capabilities actually are. Sometimes that leads to, you know, saying, yes, we can meet that demand when we know that we can't because of that. So I think some, some of that. Sits on our shoulders as founders, and then as the folks that we hire to run our sales organizations, whether it's a VP of Sales or a, you know, Chief Revenue Officer or whatever, we really need to make sure that that person feels empowered to say no. And I think Matt, the first time we met, one of the things that you said to me was that we say no to more people than we say yes to, right? A lot, right? And some of them just aren't you know, aren't a fit because they're just financially not just the people who can't afford you, but the people who,
0: yeah, yeah, we're not because we're not set up as an organization well, we can service only uh, a, a finite amount of clients that want to build things from scratch. Right. Which I refer to as the day one startup. Sure. And that is not, that's a different phase in in the software development lifecycle. Sure. It requires, a you don't have any understanding. And the thing is, is we specialize in and hiring and employing experts right and those experts want to work on expert shit right they don't want to go back to day one they want to they want to join teams that have processes and have other smart people involved i'm not saying that a day one startup doesn't have smart people involved but they don't have experienced people involved sure. in those cases so that leads to a lot of frustration and you get back to that people component uh-huh. my business is is 100 people driven okay. so if i get people in the wrong roles and on the wrong teams and that's where, where our sales process becomes really complex mm-hmm. is we have to understand the skills and passion that a service provider has before assigning a service provider to a client. Right. Because if you get people in the wrong roles and they're doing the wrong stuff, they're going to quit or they just won't do a good job. Right. So the idea is, it's like, okay, so I, I used this example yesterday as we've recently hired a new sales director. And I was like, you can't just assume that he would be great at opening a, ter- a sales territory in France right? because he doesn't speak French. Right. Right. So, you know, just because, you know, sales doesn't mean you can do certain types of things. And, sure. and that, that's, that's been one of the biggest challenges that we have as we've tried to multiply our efforts is understanding like and defining where people are going to
1: mm-hmm. get it. Yeah.
0: Get it, want it, and capable are the things. And if you don't have all three out of three, you don't have the right person in the right role.
1: But then that goes back to like true scalability of a sales organization is having systems and processes and things in place so that you can figure out, is it a people problem? Is it a, you know, because, so I grew up selling advertising and marketing, right? And so selling advertising and marketing, sorry to any advertising and marketing listeners are garbage at training and teaching salespeople, right? We bring people into organizations. You get trained this way, you get trained this way, you get trained this way. And then all of a sudden salespeople suck. Nobody wants to work, da, 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 da right? We want talk about how shitty all the salespeople are, but really it's because you don't have, You don't have a testing ground. You don't have a foundation to figure out why is Matt so successful and Sarah's not, right? Or what is missing in Joe's training that's keeping him from being successful? And so that is where I do think it is important to have systems and processes and training set up as a founder for those people, because it's going to be impossible to tell, is this person performing and why or why not, right? The number of people when I was leading a sales training organization that would come to me and they'd say, so and so is not performing. I'm like, cool. Give me the data, give me the numbers, give me the information, tell me what's happening. And they're like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, there's your problem, my friend. Because you, you haven't
0: laid it out. Exactly. You know, you have to tell a salesperson you have to do X amount of this, Y amount of this, Z amount of this, and you have to track it, yep. follow it, or keep up with it here. Yep. And one of the earliest, and I'll never, I can hear his voice in my head right now. Activity breeds sales. And you'll find that salespeople that aren't active are Mm. the worst. Right. I want to back up to something. Most salespeople are terrible. Just in general.
1: Tell me more about that.
0: I just think that if you talk to anybody that's in sales, first off, if you say, are you a good salesperson? They all say yes. Of course. And if they say no, then they shouldn't be in a sales role. Okay. But you got to keep in mind with your, back to that level of expectation, not everybody can be in the top 5%. No. Because it just does, that's not the way it goes. And Most salespeople are, are not, they think they're stuck. They, they think that it's their job to explain features, not the advantages and benefit of what said features do.
1: But at what point is it the company's job to teach them how to do that? Day one. Right.
0: What's the benefit? What are the advantages? So FAB, features, advantages, benefits. Sure. I try to train everyone that if you're talking about something that's a feature, if you're not, if you're not following or including within that statement, the advantage that you have over the competitive, whatever. Sure. And then the benefits. So people buy the benefits. They don't buy the features. They right. buy the, they, it, you know, the benefit is, uh, okay. So one that's so remarkably untrackable and intangible is peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe sells at the highest premium of anything you'll find out there. Sure. If you can figure out how to explain why your feature has an advantage over the other product and why that creates peace of mind, Mm -hmm. you'll make a lot of sales.
1: The problem is if you use the word peace of mind in a sales conversation, people will tune out because nobody thinks that's what they actually want. I -hmm. think that's the challenge. Not that salespeople suck, that we're selling the wrong thing, right?
0: Let let me demonstrate. Let's say you are, okay, so we'll go back to Gigabook and you say, okay, you uh, run a rafting you give canoe tours,
1: fun,
0: right? So, but Sounds you can insane. only do one a day. And the problem that you have is while you're out giving a canoe tour, you aren't there to answer the phone for Sorry. the other people that want to book. So the advantage that we have is a fully customizable platform that will let you control the group size that you have, including limiting it. Mm-hmm. But the real benefit of what Gigabook's is going to do for your canoe tour service is it's going to take appointments while you're out on the and that should generate peace of mind. So now you can actually pay attention to where you're driving and not be thinking, man, am I missing that next booking? Or do I have to hire someone at a $3,000 a month cost to do what Gigabook could do for $15 a month?
1: Sure. That's,
0: that is FAB right there. Okay. And, you know, so.
1: Can I take it one step further? Yeah, please. So all of that, Yes. Right, One step further, people buy based on emotion and they justify with logic. So I want to know why the canoe tour operator, what their goals are, what they want, what it means for them when their tours are fully booked out for the next 30, 60, 90 days. Because that's, I think, what most people are missing. That's what you're selling right? The vision that that business owner had, like imagine having a team of canoe tours, right? Imagine being able to open another location. Imagine being able to retire my spouse because my canoe tour business is so wildly successful that my spouse doesn't have to go to that job that they hate anymore. So it's, it's the feature feature. Would you say feature?
0: FAB. Uh, FAB, feature FAB. advantage. Benefit.
1: Right. But then it's also like, what's in it for them? Yeah. Because sometimes we stop at FAB and we're like, cool, peace of mind's amazing. Peace of mind is optional, right? And for so, $15 so, a so month, with, it's not. With
0: Gigabook, we found that people felt like they were chained to their business. Sure. They would get out, it. they would get, the, the canoe comes off the river and right. not, oh my God, I've got all these emails. I have these text messages to reply to. Um, I, I really want to launch boats two and three, but I can't cause mm-hmm. I'm just even struggling with number one. Right. I mean, th- by the way, that's a definition of scalable. So sure. $15 more a month per right. boat, you can now add more bookings in there and sure. it'll, it'll take care of, you know, like a lot of different stuff. So,
1: and $15 a month is also a very different solution than, you know, a $20,000 $20, a month solution. So yeah. we're having a little yeah. bit different conversation yep. there, yep. but do you know what I'm saying? Like, cause to yep. me, it's like, Oh, I've got all these emails and I got all these phone calls to me. It's the step up. And my wife is pissed off all the time because all I do is play on my effing phone, trying to fill the next door and the next door and the next door. Right. Because that's what you're selling as much as you're selling a piece of technology. That's why I think that I don't think that salespeople suck. I think that, sorry, friends, most founders suck at teaching their salespeople how to sell that.
0: Yeah, I think I still think salespeople suck, but I've become kind of elitist in that regard, maybe. I, I have a little bit because I just, like, you, I have bought so much shit that I don't need mm-hmm. because I'm just shocked when a salesperson actually asks me to buy something. Like I, like I literally, you know, ask ask people to buy stuff and you will sell more stuff. now I want to <laughs> can talk more about that after,
1: after, I after sh- that
0: I let you know that I, want, I have a sound effect <laughs> button somewhere. On, I'm afraid, don't push I'm afraid to push don't the push because buttons. I don't know if I'll turn it off. I'll come back and record this and realize that the entire last five minutes has, okay, I kind of want to see what happens. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Wix it, are you an entrepreneur or founder trying to figure out how to successfully navigate the rocket ship that is known as hypergrowth? Do you want to take control over your company's online presence internally and externally? Well, our friends over at Wix Enterprise can help. Wix Enterprise is a platform that provides business with an all-in-one solution for all types of growth and business needs, create high-performing websites for your business, all of which are backed by enterprise-grade security as well as expert support. To help you manage and scale online, head over to Wix.com for more info. While you're there, I want to give you a reminder that you should tune in on Monday when Matt Watson and his guest, Bob Rosin, will be sharing the lowdown on exactly how startups can partner with major companies. Who knows? Maybe even Wix. So here we are 40 minutes later. and the, The sales conversations fly by. I do want to remind everyone. So I've lost three pounds during this episode. <laughs> it's so freaking hot in the studio today. I can't, uh, can't get past that. All right. So we talked about a lot of stuff and if we really wanted to get into sales systems and the key to scaling, that yeah. would require a series. Sure. So we, we were just getting into a, a few things, but you know, here we are at, Wrapping stuff up. So if we have to go back to what we talked about today, what are, what are like, what are the most basic elements?
1: Ask people to buy shit.
0: I mean, I'm just by kidding. the way, if you, if you do that, you will sell- I like still... how
1: we buried that at minute 38, It, it should have,
0: maybe I should have led with that because I, I really I was talking about this yesterday. I think any organization- what immediately increases their sales? If you get in the habit of the data actually to buy supports something.
1: that too. I it think does. it's like it's over half. Don't ask well, that, for but the But That's sale. why I
0: think salespeople suck because they start talking to someone and then they're afraid to ask them to buy something.
1: Are they afraid to ask them to buy something? Yes, because they weren't taught how to do it correctly and what to it, say and what to do and how to handle that objection and what objections they might possibly they get build, in that they sales build rapport process. rapport
0: with a client or a prospect, and then they feel that they're going to offend them if they try to sell them something. Sure, and I'm offended if you don't try to sell me something. Sure, so you're sometimes
1: offended. People just trying to ask. Sell you, things. you
0: just have to ask, and people. Well, how do I do that? Did you want to go ahead and get this? Yeah. When can we get started? Right. Do you want me to send you a contract? Right. That's it.
1: Pay, pay in full, or payment literally plan. Literally
0: sold tens of millions of dollars worth of stuff in my life. With those three lines, so oh. that simple. And yeah. sometimes you got to ask more than once.
1: You almost always do. The data says yeah. you have to ask three times. Yeah,
0: depends. On, depends on what you're selling. Valid, but. If you don't ask, probably not going to sell. I think that kind of just is like maybe some very high level advice in life for Mm -hmm. getting what you want is ask. Tell my wife that all the time. Yeah. She's like, well, we didn't do this or that. Did you consider asking? Mm -hmm. Because if I knew that that was a need or a desire or something that would make you happy, Mm -hmm. I will will help fulfill that possibility. Kind of like the possibility of getting a fan in the studio (laughs) right now, so... Sorry, I can't get past it. I'm like, Ugh. it's 100 degrees in Kansas City today, and I'm getting the stark reminder that our new podcast studio has an inactive air conditioning duct. Ryan's across the table from me chugging Ozarka 100% <laughs> natural spring water, and the benefit of that, folks, is not dying a heat stroke while recording water to thirsty yeah. people
1: in the desert yeah. my the, friend and it's a fan here and, to we, are, in this and
0: we are here you didn't know when you mentioned that so early that you were selling to yourself and i really oh. should have just taken this bottle of water over for it, you get the like wolf sell me this pen here and i'll sell you this water right now for five bucks exactly if you won't give me that i'll pay myself ten all right so, ask people to buy shit. Sure. That, was that the thesis statement? Uh,
1: that is the thesis, but it I really think it really, it, it it does. But I think like the basics are to, to round it out is really understand growth versus scale, right? To really understand, like you said, in the very beginning, who is best suited to buy our stuff, right? Who is the, you know, the, the, the thirsty person in the desert, right? And then really understanding, that there has to be some sort of system process activity, to use your word, right? Activity for those, for your sales team to follow if you really, truly want to see is it working or not.
0: Yeah. You got to write it down. Right. No one writes it down. Ever. It's shocking.
1: It's, it's wild, the number of people who don't know that part in their business. And again, understanding that your numbers, your metrics, even if you start tracking your metrics as the founder, your salesperson's metrics are not going to look like yours, possibly for years. And you have got to let go of that.
0: Well, I, I wrote a script. I, I just, cause mm-hmm. I answered this four years later at full scale. I answered the same questions. I handled the same objections. Sure. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, uh, a prospect that has no objections with what you sell is probably not a prospect. They're probably not interested in buying. Uh, a little bit. Uh, people that are interested in buying have objections. They are not problem. This isn't a problem. That's a sign that they're interested because sure. if they're not, most people don't even bother to object. They don't ask about it. They don't.
1: And if you don't ask them to buy anything, they also won't object for the record.
0: So as we round this out, you have helped people sell stuff, right?
1: I do help people sell stuff. So I have been in a little, uh, season of reinvention. So that's why Matt has asked you to connect with me on social media. So I ran a couple of sales organizations. Um, and now really I'm just spending my time consulting. So, um, you know, in true startup fashion, is there a website for that? Currently the answer's no. Um, but if you connect with me on, on LinkedIn and you want to talk sales system, sales processes, hiring all of those different things, um, that we hammered out today, I love to help people do those things.
0: Yeah. And I've had experience just chatting with you about all different things in sales and you know, Ryan you get it I do you want it and you're capable of doing it so you meet the criteria of now the uh, I, I 10 years ago I would have given different advice because I used to try to do everything myself sure. and I've really you know as I talk to you about different stuff along the way of oh as I've gotten older and wiser and calmer and and happier to get to a successful destination, I reached out to hire more subject matter experts. A lot of, you know, I could walk into, but similar to yourself, I can walk into so many sales processes with a fresh set of eyes and sure. be like, Oh my, yeah. this is really bad. And this is, you know, and there, it's a different problem selling a, things in different places to different people in different industries, there's not a uniform answer other than ask people to buy shit. Amen. That is universal.
1: Can that be the name of this podcast?
0: It probably should. And I, I maybe should start a podcast. Just call that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would go over well.
1: Look, I, don't, I don't know what my podcast title is, but if it could be ask people to buy shit, I, I would be really happy.
0: Yeah. Except for Apple might not like that. Sure. I think we would run into future marketing and censorship problems because... I got to say, even when we put out the Startup Hustle YouTube channel, we learned how, like the one word. So one of our guests on that was Heather and Kyle from Casey Hemp Co. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't put the tag hemp right. in anything because then they think you're trying to sell weed. Sure. You're not. It's, is that easier than selling stuff, water to people in the desert? Yes. You, okay, there we go. And that's where we're going to end today's episode. <laughs> I'll see you down the road. Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. like we do it